Catholic. We are the Lanky Guys. This is the Word in the Hill. And we I'm, are, I'm Father Peter Mussett. And I'm Scott Powell. And we are contractually required to take a selfie. <laughs> which we will do right now. Hi. Hi. What was selfie time? You got to speak nice and close to the microphone Sorry. so it echoes to the, all the people. Usually I can edit myself later on. I'm going to take a picture of you guys as well out there. So go. Yes. Woo. Welcome to Nobody the cares. land. Yeah, this is going to be fun. You guys are the people who are in the front, and you're going to actually be able to hear and see us when that session gets out and the floods of people come. Floods. Floods of people. You know, they're going to be all like, whoa, we wish we were cool like you guys. But they will never be as cool as you guys. Nope, they really, really won't. So I Can I just point out how wonderful I think it is that like three quarters of our audience so far have Roman collars on? Yeah, it's the kind I mean, of the that's best. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Seriously here's, awesome. Here's the colors. Collars. The, yeah, you guys. <laughs> I always think about it with the Roman collar. I, I recently I got really sick of how black, how much black I wear all the time. And so I bought you brown. You better get used to that. I bought brown shoes. <laughs> and so I just wear brown shoes. And yes, I think I'm fashionable. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got some purple on or blue, or I, I'm colorblind, so that looks K-State. like something like that. Yeah. Go K-State. Go yeah, Cats. Blue, blue. What, what's your thing? You have a little, like... It's Father oh, Ryan. That? Father Ryan has got like they, they, he's throwing gang signs. It's nice. <laughs> so. Oh my well, gosh! You guys, we um, I'm very excited to be live with you guys. Well, the live recorded, but live. Yeah, it's all strange. I don't even know what we're doing. So we are. Yeah. I wish our, our our listening audience out there could see how what. I wish they could see how bizarre this actually is. So we are literally in like a zoo kennel. Um, full it, of windows around. It's this like is, an aquarium. It's the most fascinating place that I've ever been. Yeah, I yeah. Think. And I've been to a lot of weird places. There's a there's a slot right there. You guys can feed us. Get some fish food. You can <laughs> drop it in, and we'll like you know like oh yeah yeah exactly. She has some Where's granola. She, oh, this nice. is very nice of you. But oh. we are we want to thank so much Focus uh, the Focus Ministry for having us and inviting us to do this live podcast here. Um, the seek, so I have my, either my wife or I or both of us have been to almost every single. Focus Conference that there has been since 2001, where we met at the Focus Conference at the Cornhusker Hotel in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is totally crazy. (laughs) You guys big fans of the Cornhusker Hotel? Yeah, (laughs) the Cornhusker Hotel. (laughs) And it was crazy. So I just gave a talk, um, a breakout session. I don't know how many people were in there, but that breakout session, which was like one of the little breakout sessions, was easily like three times as big as the first whole Focus Conference that I was at, which is totally nuts. And so to see... We're we're here with almost seven, uh, with almost twenty thousand fellow Catholics and believers and priests and religious, and we got some bishops. It's an incredible thing. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And whenever, depending on when you guys are listening to us, you can look up focus.org. You can you can get the live stream of a lot of stuff that's going on here and see some of the masses, um, and see some of the keynote talks. It's it's an incredible thing. So check it out. Fo- Father Peter and I both owe a huge debt of our own faith and ministry lives Big to time. Focus. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we've been a part of the Focus family for a whole long time. A whole so, long time. And a special thank you to Curtis Martin, who's pretty foundational in both of our lives, who yes. founded Focus and who's running around here. So thank you, Focus. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you guys for showing up and uh, and watching us in the fishbowl. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I was once uh, the praise band. I was like the bass player at the praise band at the uh, Focus conference, the seat conference in Denver. 
and uh, we rocked it. We was that were, the one where Jim Caviezel was? Yeah, Jim Caviezel. I was in a, it was an elevator with um, with uh, Jim Caviezel and uh, and uh, Martin Sheen or something. Martin Short. What was his name? <laughs> I can't remember who that was. Martin Sheen. Martin Not Sheen. Martin, Martin Sheen. Short is somebody else. Yeah, Martin Short. This yeah, is very different. different so that was that was kind of awesome. Well, oh, man, you guys, here we go. Um, we are heading into the Epiphany of the Lord, indeed, um, which the is also the the first Sunday of something. I don't know what is the Epiphany. What season is this? The Christmas season. It's still? the Christmas season. Is it the or, end of the Christmas we're, season? We're, we're in Christmas tide. Christmas tide. What, what is Candle, Christmas tide? Is it, isn't Candlemas the end of um, Christmas season? I don't know. I don't know. There's some. There's some. Yeah, there's, we got a nod. Okay. We, got, well, we have a bunch of priests I here. Just, I, uh, All right, it's your time to go now, yeah, guys. You guys. You guys have to give us thumbs ups and thumbs downs. Normally, so, we're just in the basement, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? They adorn, they ordained me, and I can't remember anything. So I are we in going. Christmas tide, priests? Yes, I've got a th- getting a thumbs up from all the priests. Good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hot dog. Well, our first reading today is from the book of Isaiah, ch- oh, yeah. chapter 60, verses 1 through 5. Nope. One what? more. One more. Six. Throw one through six. six. Just for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to read off of yours. I have to turn my phone on. Yeah, dude. Our yeah. responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm number 72, verses 1 through 2, 7 through 8, 10 through 11, and 13. 12 through 13. <laughs> you almost forgot one, too. I know, because you Ma- messed yeah. me up. No, man, I'm, I'm just having an effect on you. Okay. Yeah. And then our second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter mm. 3, 2 to 3a. Okay. And then jumping all the way to 5, and then 6. Just for, for good measure. Yeah, just half a verse. we got to get rid of it. Yeah. Bye. And then our gospel reading is coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which is the story of the Magi. Awesome. Thank you for coming today. This was a wonderful podcast. We look Uh, forward to you guys subscribing and listening and tuning in. We will see you next year. Okay, goodbye. No, 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 just kidding. That's Scott's joke. And Scott, every time you do it, now you get to see what people actually do. Which is stare blankly at us. Yeah, like, that's not funny. We know that you're going to keep going, so... Um, I can't begin to tell you how bizarre this feels. Yeah, this is this this is <laughs> really the strangest experience of podcasting I've ever had. Actually, may, this might actually be the weirdest feeling that I've had. Yeah, ever? I, yeah, I'm in front of no, people. No, you've had weirder. Yeah, no, I don't know. Oh, all right. This is pretty good. So I like that I can move around and the mic comes with me. Yeah, yeah I can get you one of these. Could you get us this? Yeah, yeah. Stuff? Let's get the, let's get some you, of these. We should build an aquarium fishbowl in the rectory. Yeah, we're gonna do this. You guys can help us build it. Thank you. <laughs> all of you. <coughs> All right. So we're, we're back in Isaiah again. Um, yeah, yeah, in yeah. case you're wondering, Isaiah is uh, read in absolutely every liturgical season and that's sometimes uh, twice in a day. So That's probably true. I've never seen... I, I mean, how is Isaiah? Isaiah has the best role in the Catholic Church for readings ever. I mean, he's got more than the Gospels. Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be. All right, yeah. so Isaiah chapter 60 is coming from... Uh, so scholars like to split up Isaiah into three major parts. So this is called Trito Isaiah. Trito. Trito meaning three. Um, some people think that different authors wrote the different parts of Isaiah, which I think is baloney, because I think there is the common narrative thread. If you understand the scheme of salvation history and how all this fits together, it actually makes sense. And so we're kind of getting the now looking ahead portion of the book. So chapters 55 through 66 is the, the last portion of the book. And I just want to say a word about how this chunk of the book of Isaiah is structured because it actually, a little bit of context is actually going to help us out a little bit. So we're getting it from chapter 60, but a couple things happened before that that I just want to mention. So in chapter 55, which comes at the beginning of this kind of big section, there's this description of this pre, uh, of this feast. I said the priest because of all the priests who are yeah. here. Hi. 
Um, there's the description of this feast um, where people come, and, and you've probably heard this verse, where people can come and buy wine without money and, and be Drink fed. milk without price. Yeah, and, all that stuff. And mix wine and milk together and <laughs> have some turkey and some cranberries and stuff. That was in the, it's, it's implied. <laughs> it's implied in the, in the thing. The ter- I, I can't tell if they're laughing. I think they're just still staring blankly <laughs> yeah, that, that, That's, that's actually right. what happens. It, it normally, right. anyway, we just get to experience it live, which yeah. is really kind of bizarre. Thank you for that. Uh, it's, I, every, all of my worst fears are being lived out in front of you. So, <laughs> all right. That, they uh, laughed at that. Speaking yeah. of the feast, the, yeah. the, the, the milk and wine is one of my worst fears. Milk and somebody wine? else serve me that. Yeah, I, I'll do it. Please don't. But let's do it at the podcast next time. All let's right. just have some milk and wine and see what actually. What's well, too late? Like. That was that was appropriate for this week, but ah, not okay. for not for next. Whatever. Christmas tide will be over. All right. So fifty five is about this huge feast that's going to happen. Chapter fifty six is this interesting passage about foreigners, foreign people, non Jewish people coming to Zion, coming to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, right? And. Um, it should remind us of the different verses that talk about all of the nations coming up to Zion. There's this huge feast that everyone's partaking in. Chapter 57 talks about Jerusalem kind of uh, compared to Babylon, about their huge sin. So people come to this feast. They're celebrating. They're drinking wine without cost and milk without money and all the different things. We hear that there's a bunch of people from other countries coming. And then we're reminded of Jerusalem's sinfulness. And well, the idolatry that Israel has fallen into. Well, before we even get there, this is just a preview in the um, in, in when we get to the Magi in the Gospel. Yeah. Um, the way in which it says the men in the East came to Jerusalem. Yeah. It's actually the word for pilgrimage. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what chapter fifty. Peregrinanto. Peregrinanto. Yeah. So there you that's go. That's a nice word. That yeah. sounds like a uh, sounds like a, a model of Buick. Peregrinanto. It's the Buick <laughs> Peregrinanto. <laughs> I got the leather seats. All right, so there's this. this nobody's uh, laughing. Yeah. So there's this show about how how, how sinful uh, Israel has become, and then chapter 58 is about a fast. So we go from feasting to fasting, mm. and a lot of scholars think that this is actually a chapter, a chapter about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, because the next chapter talks about Israel and Jerusalem realizing her profound sin and actually making this communal confession about our sin, which is why people think it relates to Yom Kippur. And so after this show of all the nations coming to Jerusalem, a recognition of the sinfulness of Israel and their idolatry and all these things that we've done, the recognition of that, the confession of the sin, kind of a Yom Kippur of a day of atonement where we recognize this is where we've come from, this is what we've done, we need your forgiveness. We moved from chapter 59 into chapter 60, and this is where there's this weird movement in the whole book of Isaiah, really from darkness in chapter 59 to light in chapter 60. And this sort of vindicated remnant of Israel who's still there, who turns from their sins, they humble themselves, and then they become the vindicated Zion, the vindicated people of Israel in chapter 60. And so chapter 60 is all about, we've gone through the darkness, we've recognized our sin. It's in a certain sense, we've traveled through Advent. We've done this time where the year was Mm. really dark, and now light has actually dawned. And Mm. part of how light has dawned is because we've recognized our own smallness. We've recognized our own failings, and we recognize we need a Messiah, which is what we should be celebrating right now in Christmas time. You know, it, it's actually, the, isn't that the experience of like what it's like to be in Christmas? It's like kind of. all of Advent is this kind of preparation. There's drudgery, there's finals, 
Um, you, you know, uh, every, every parishioner that I know always comes up and they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we would love to hang out with you. I mean, after Christmas. There's always this like, this like, Christmas is coming for you, priest. And you're like, okay. And you're like, it is. And then, then it's done and you're like, oh, I feel good. It's great. Let's go to seek. So, uh, you know, like that, that's, that's like what it feels like. You're like, okay, this, uh, you know. But then Christmas is always, is always good. But that's really kind of what this is expressing is rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. There is a relief. It's kind of like it's kind of like getting to mass. I actually heard a great homily. I think it was last week. Thanks. I was at a different parish. I'm sorry, but it was it was it was really and it really resonated with me. And I'm kind of a, a stickler for for homilies, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But it was. Great. I set a high standard for you. Well, but this homily was about basically how just a reminder that we're still in Christmas right now. And he was saying the priest was saying how beautiful it is that look, it's Christmas still, and it was last Sunday, so it was still Christmas. We're in the octave actually, yeah. but the gifts are over. You don't have to worry about the huge feast, the celebration. Maybe the family has gone home. All of the stress of Christmas is done, and it's still Christmas Day. Right. So we actually get to enjoy Christmas. It's still Christmas, but I don't have to worry about the perfect meal or hosting all the family or getting the perfect gift or disappointing right. my kids. You know what? All that stuff. And we get to actually revel in that. So rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Yeah. Which is, it was a beautiful reflection. I was like, I can kind of enjoy this without any of the stress of the anticipation of all the stuff that I have to do, which yeah. is really beautiful. Yeah, one of my uh, marriage prep couples, uh, they came in, and it was the Saturday after uh, after Christmas, and we were having a meeting, and, and the, the gal, they're both coming in through our CIA, and she's like, oh, yeah, it was great. We celebrated Christmas, and then um, uh, my fiancé got out the chainsaw and cut down the Christmas tree in the apartment. Was it planted in the floor? No. no, do, you, like, no. Just, do you need just, a chainsaw? He just, he just said it, it was easier to cut it up in the apartment before he took it down the stairs. That's, a, that's the worst idea. Yeah, nice. No, that's thought, a risk management nightmare. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that's oh kind of an gosh. epic way to do it. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, but rise up, Jerusalem. You know, the glory of the Lord shines upon you. <laughs> rise up yeah. or cut it down. And, and then he qualified it. He said it was not a chainsaw. It was just a jigsaw. And I was like, okay, oh, that's a little bit better. But I like the chainsaw. It was much better. With that, that vision, ruins but the I had story. to be honest with you. Yeah, thank and you. And you, you guys and need all my you. honesty here, so this is good. All right, so once Jerusalem rises up, it says nations will walk by your light, kings will see your radiance. So again, we have to remember Isaiah is written, really, I mean, we just talked about this time of darkness and Israel repenting of her sins, but it's being written in the midst of a pretty dark time, right? As right. Israel is preparing to go off into exile and be hauled off into slavery and all this stuff is going on, and Isaiah is reminding us that there is a future coming. There is light on the way, Right. And when this light comes, nations are going to actually, it's not just that you will be in light, but all the other nations will walk by your light. And it says, kings by your shining radiance. So raise your eyes, look about, gather and come to you. Your sons come from afar, your daughters in the arms of their nurses. And then it says, I just want to read this last part. Then you shall be radiant at what you see. You shall be radiant. Who is you? The, the nations, those who are coming towards? No, it's Israel. It's Israel. Zion will be radiant. It's oh. you. This is speaking to Jerusalem, and what it's doing is taking all of Israel and embodying it. That's, you guys who suffer. That's in such dramatic contrast from what we're going to get into the gospel. This is why, and I, I want to get there. This, this is, is why I want to note this. Yeah. So you will be radiant, Israel. 
at what you see, and your and heart your, will throb and overflow. That's like a lot of uh, that's like a lot of these young couples. They see each other, and their hearts are just throbbing. They're and like, overflowing. "I love you," and they're overflowing. The love is vomiting everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. Really, that's really horrible. Yeah, words. it is. Sorry, but we can't um, edit it because we're live. But the, <laughs> <laughs> so now you know how we edit, and my friends. Know. And it says the riches of the sea will be emptied out before you. The wealth of all the nations brought to you. Camels of caravans will fill you. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephah and Sheba shall all come, bearing gold and frankincense. There was a part of me that I was reading these earlier, and I was like, it feels like a high school, like, term paper. We're like, I'm just going to do a Google search and find any place in the Bible where it talks about frankincense and myrrh, and we'll just put those together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, frankincense, perfect. We'll I do this one. I mean, and the, I like that we get the caravans of camels and that camels? this is a, a direct relationship because we don't get them mentioned, the Magi riding on camels, except for in the prophecy. And that's why we actually have that imagery. It's because of this prophecy. Yep. It's also why sometimes the wise men, who are not kings, are actually called the three kings because of these prophecies in Isaiah and elsewhere that talk about the king's coming. Mm. And so they're like, oh, they're kind of kingly and they're sort of, you know, in this figure. And that's why we apply camels and all this stuff because we're like, they, and it's so funny, and we'll get there in a minute, but actually the wise men, the magi coming to Jesus, there's such a smallness to it. Mm. And these are, these are important people. These are learned people, but there's three of them. And I don't, it doesn't seem like they come with a huge entourage, and they come to this nowhere's backwoods town in a stable, in a, you know, in a, in a barn, in a, in a feeding trough, and they pour out these great gifts. Like, you read Isaiah, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like this epic state visit of these nations. And right. you're like, oh no, it's those three guys, and they're just coming to a feeding trough. <laughs> that is the fulfillment of this monumental prophecy, which mm. is right. And right. it's actually exactly how God loves to work, right? Right, which brings us to the psalm. Which brings us to the psalm, which is actually... So what we say, didn't we sing that today? Did we? Lord, Anybody? every Priests? nation on earth <laughs> will praise you. I, it was my best. Yeah, I can't do what Carrie Floyd can do. You know, <laughs> we got so. a lot of no, that was shaking not, okay, up I, was, I wasn't paying attention well today. Can you tell? Are oh, you man. shaking your heads at Father Peter singing or that being the psalm? Yeah, that's or both? The song. Be cool. Oh, look, they said this song. They you guys, I, I was pretty on tune. I mean, I'm going to be honest. As far as the podcast thing, that was like some pretty 90% action right there, you know? Okay, so here's what we got going on. Isaiah just told us. No, I'm, gonna I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to run out of air in this room oh, if yeah. we don't end on time. That's what guys, they warned us. Yeah, did you guys know that they, they turn off the oxygen in here? If we exactly go over the time. At, at no. time. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah. So, yeah, so, so we'll do our best. Yeah, just break through. Feed us through the roof, you know. <laughs> a slip of granola verse. Um, so our first reading talked about how Jerusalem was going to become light and how people would flock to Jerusalem, this new Zion, and kings and dromedaries and camels and all this stuff. And now we turn a little bit, and it says, Lord, every nation on earth is going to adore you. We were just told that all the nations were going to come to adore Israel. All the nations were going to come to adore Zion. And now we're told in the psalm, Lord, all the nations of the earth are going to come to, to adore you. Now, what's ah. interesting, one thing I want to say about Psalm 72, Psalm 72, it's described in your Bibles as a psalm of Solomon. And it's believed to be one of the coronation psalms. And so when you hear this on Sunday, what I want you to be thinking about is that this is probably one of the psalms that would be said over the king as they were being crowned as king. And perhaps this is being spoken over Solomon himself. Or maybe Solomon is saying it over his son as he's being crowned king. But that's the context for this. And really, there's, there's two themes that come out of this. And the themes are righteousness and wisdom. 
And what mm. it's praying for, the whole nation is supposed to pray as this new king takes his crown, that the king would have wisdom and he'd have righteousness. And if you think about be, that being related to Sol, what, like, what's Solomon famous for? He's famous for his wisdom, wisdom the wisdom of Solomon. Yep. And then he's also famous for all of these nations of the earth coming to him to seek out his wisdom. Remember the, the queen, queen of, of Sheba, of Sheba yeah. comes. But what's ironic about that is that Solomon ends his life as an utter fool, as someone who turns away from the wisdom of God, who makes himself into a god, essentially. He loses that wisdom, and he acts unrighteously, unjustly, and he ushers in a time period where the prophets, quite frankly, say, not only do the nations not adore you, the nations think you're an eyesore. Which, which we're experiencing in the church right now. I mean, like, mm. there's so much of, of like, we're, co we're coming into a massive age in the church of deep understanding of the scriptures, of the church's teaching, of her, her liturgical tradition. I mean, we have such a rich experience, and yeah. yet, at the same time, the scandals in the church are actually flowering in such a way that the people from the outside, they look at us and they say, what are you guys doing? You're, you're outdated, you're medieval, like, in, in, in this perception of what we're actually really doing is... is is actually incorrect from the wisdom that we've actually garnered in this particular age. Y'all, we are in a new springtime in the church in a big way, and that's actually what the fruit is that's around all of us. Which is a funny thing if you think about it, because right now as we're recording this podcast, all of the bishops in the U.S. are up in Mundelein Seminary in Chicago as, as the, gathering to talk about the scandals and to deal with this and try to figure out what we as a church do. As that is happening, as our bishops, our leaders, our shepherds are gathered together dealing with the most profound crisis I think the U.S. church has ever seen. Right. That's a big statement. That's a big statement. Almost 20,000 priests and lay people are gathered here to worship and to celebrate. The juxtaposition of that is fascinating. It really is. And, and it shows me how big the church actually is. Yes. And I want to encourage you, in the Adoration Chapel, there's like a little bishop station. They have a miter and a crozier. Please, seriously, really? please. Yeah, just go and take a moment and pray there and pray for the bishops, for their guidance, for the Pope. He released a letter. You can read the letter on, I saw it in Whispers in the Logia. Mm. But like to read the letter, he wants to be there praying with them. But yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a massive movement in the church. And your prayers are absolutely profound. I mean, like that's one of the things that I take away from our time here at Seek is the fact that each and every single one of you are powerhouses and that the graces of God pouring out from you are absolutely world-changing. And that it, yes. an, an individual here has more than you guys ever even understand. I just can't even understand like what's happening in the midst of, of us right now. And the, the, you guys are going to take some time and sit down and listen to us. I'm very honored, by and the way. And we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that is what these readings are saying. Right. In the first reading saying, hey, Jerusalem, you are going to shine with splendor. Glory. And then, Lord, every nation will come to adore you. What this is saying is, and, and really what we're getting in the gospel, and I am getting a little ahead of myself, this prophecy... In the first reading about this light and kings and, and, and riches and camels and dromedaries coming to adore Zion is actually going to find its fulfillment not in Jerusalem, right. but in a suburb, in the middle <laughs> of nowhere, in Bethlehem, in a feeding trough, which reminds us that, oh, you should be reading this and saying, oh, Lord, when you're talking about Jerusalem and Zion... That's actually way bigger than I thought it was. This is not a geographic boundary. This isn't a city limit. Right. When you say Zion, you mean something far bigger than that. Right. When you're talking about the wisdom of the king, you're not just talking about Solomon. You mean something way beyond what I thought. Yeah. When we're talking about the life of the church, we're not just talking about our bishops. Praise be to God for them who are gathering in Mundelein. We're talking about the 17, 20,000 of us here as well. 
the church is way bigger and way more profound and way more radiant than we ever thought it was. That's what these readings are suggesting. Yes. But when you look at it, that radiance is going to show up in the most unlikely place imaginable. Right. But that's exactly where we need to look for it. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's actually is, is, it bringing us in our second reading. Exactly right. Which is the stewardship of God's grace that was given for your benefit. I always think, uh, Scott, you turned me on to the catechism paragraph um, uh, 1531, which is, it says something along the lines of, uh, these two vocations, married oh, life yeah. and priesthood, yeah. are for the salvation of others, and if they affect personal holiness, it is because they are first at service to others. Yes. And, uh, and, and so that's like... I think about what we're doing here. It's just all of service. Sometimes we can say, oh, I'm just here. I'm having, looking forward to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy, like, you know, eating pizza and kissing babies or pizza? whatever. No, I don't. I mean, that, that's a Bob Dylan. That's oh. eating pizza, eating chicken. I should title this babies. podcast Woo-hoo. Eating Pizza and Getting Babies. Kissing babies. Kissing babies. Kissing babies, because that's nice. You know, you're like, no, it's hey, good. I love it's it. weird. Yeah, Scott's giving me the eyeball hashtag church. No. don't need that right now kind of thing. <laughs> um, so... Uh, no, but this is the thing, is that it was given to me for your benefit, yeah. and it was this, that the mystery was na- made known to be my revelation. Everything that we do is about actually this reception. Like, I look, and I look into how we're dealing with Isaiah. Isaiah just received a revelation, and we're try- still trying to understand the depth of what happened there. This is our whole lives, as we're looking, and we're taking, going into the experience with the revelation of God's grace through his word, through his prophetic people, through the sacramental life, and we're trying to decom- like, uncompress it and express it to one another. That's what this podcast is, is you, you and I, we both have been given a stewardship because I'm in love with the scriptures. You're yeah. in love with the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our whole goal is to have you guys love them too. And Absolutely. I, I also like saying really dumb things in front of other people. I you like do. doing that too. So that's a part of it too. So this is, is a like, perfect little... Yeah, this is kind of like a, kind of like a full saturation of like what I like here. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're tapping into something that Paul is actually doing. So a word of context on Ephesians. We talked about Ephesians on the podcast before. Ephesus was, we actually know, it's fascinating. We know more about the church in Ephesus than we know about any of the, the other churches in the New Testament. Because we have this letter. We have a bunch of stuff in Acts of the Apostles. We have a lot of letters from the fathers of the church about this church. Right. Um, we got a lot of info. And one of the things we know about them is that they are a hotbed of spiritual warfare. Ephesus was the center in the known world of what we might call the occult, right? New Agey stuff. So spell books, incantations, they idols. They like manufactured them there. They were, yeah, that was like where you got them. And actually the, the spell Weird. books were called like Ephesia Grammatica. Like it was the Ephesian writings. That was like the, 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 the um, what's the word? The, the, the shorthand. The shorthand. You got like a prayer oh, book. Aphesia Grammatica seems like a pretty longhand version of a shorthand well, you know spell book. It's, they're you know the Greeks. <laughs> they're, it's they're all Greek to me. Well, and, and for those of you who like uh, Ready Player One, um, you know, the, the main l- love attraction in that movie, her name was uh, uh, Artemis. And uh, so there was a big temple to Artemis. Absolutely. Um, in in the uh, in Ephesus, it totally. was actually it was the biggest temple to, to Artemis. The it was god one of the, the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, god of the hunt. She was, but she was also titled mother of all living, the divine virgin, the queen of heaven and earth. Which is, it's not ironic, but do you guys know that what is believed to be the final home of Mary, her house before she was assumed into heaven, is actually on a hillside overlooking the temple to Artemis. So can you imagine the Blessed Mother every morning of her or older life coming out of the house, saying prayers, looking over this huge seven wonders of the world temple built 
to the divine virgin, the queen of the queen of heaven and earth, the mother of all living. Dude, I just I just actually pic- picture Mary with a hot cup of coffee, and she just kind of is like taking a walk outside on a beautiful morning. She just sips it and then just laughs. <laughs> Whatever. So that's like what I that's what I think. But what's of so Mary. beautiful about that is that Mary go. How do I say this right? Mary goes, in a certain sense, into the heart of darkness. Right. She goes to the place where the deepest sin is, the most spiritual warfare, and she says, I'm setting up shop right here, and I'm going to pitch my tent right outside because yep. I know that the true Zion is not over there around those city walls. I know that the true heavenly Jerusalem can actually live in Ephesus. Right. I know it's bigger than that. And what, what Paul is doing... Which gets us, actually, to this point to where... Um, why does God send his greatest lights into the darkest places is to remind them and to call them and to say that you're meant to be members of the household of God. Yeah. That's exactly. And so, so, so Paul in, or in rather Ephesians, you are a part of the household of God. So act like it. Ooh. Cause you're right. But it's even a step further. Can't drop, drop the this, mic. I they can't drop ex- this mic. Yeah, they I think look expensive. I think that they actually put that in our contract. You know, like <laughs> don't drop the mics. That's not acceptable. That's and they're fair. on a thing. That's hard to do. They're um, on a thing. Which leads us into the gospel. You guys, the gospel. Um, Hold on. We can't, we can't go yet. One, we can't one go quick, yet. One quick thing. Hold quickly, on. What? Quickly, quickly. One of the things Paul is doing in this letter. So being the heart of darkness in a certain sense. One of the things the Ephesians were really into was this idea of Gnosticism. Which, which is, is knowledge as salvation. Yeah, and, and really what they were really into, and we're, we're into the same thing in our culture, yeah. this idea that what we're after is the people who have like the secret wisdom that only they have access to. So right. buy my book or come and listen to my talk or whatever, and then you can maybe find out what my huge secrets are. We, which we which love is stuff like, like which that. Which is why you guys listen to the podcast, right? Find out the secrets, but you know, <laughs> but you hear stuff Thanks like this on like the, the Discovery Channel and like you know the Oprah Book Club. Like if you listen, you'll find out the secrets of happiness or the secrets of the Bible or the secrets of the Bible. Like we love right. stuff like this. So Paul actually uses that, and he's like, "Hey, you know what, you Ephesians, you want some secrets? I'll let you in on the secret. I'll let you in on the greatest mystery of all of humanity, the greatest mystery of all time." And he, if you read the section leading up to this, he butters them up. Yeah. He's like, you want to know some secrets? You want to know some mysteries? And you can picture them all in the congregation, like, scooting up in their seats. Like, like, we want to know the mysteries. What well, are the mysteries? Well, and he like, said, the mystery, which was made known by, by revelation, it wasn't known to people of other generations. It's been revealed now. Nobody else knew this. And they're like, tell us the mystery, Paul. Which is, which is in catechism, catechism number 221. The secret of God is this. And I'm not going to even say anything more because you have to look it up in the catechism. Can I just say it? Yes. Okay. It's th- <laughs> because he, he, he builds to this, and he's I, like, you want to know the secret? Do you guys want to know the secret? You want to know the secret? The secret of all of salvation history. <laughs> it's you. Oh, yeah, it's me. No, I don't mean it like that. What? But he says it's you, the secret that has not been known to other nations, that is this mystery that God has been slowly revealing over the course of time, is that the Gentiles, those of us who are not ethnically of the people of Israel, some of us might be, but most of us are not, we're just schmoes who came from the outside. We're just from the pagan nations. We're just of the, of the world. We are actually co-heirs. We are members of the same body. We are co-partners in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Jesus didn't come for one ethnic group. Jesus didn't come for one nation. Jesus came for everyone. And, and you know, we, we, we hear stuff like that, and we're like, oh, okay, let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're used to this. But in the beginning, I mean, that was not understood in the course of salvation history. The God was the God of this nation, and different gods had different nations. And 
you knew a nation was powerful based on their god. Right. And this is saying, no, all of that's wrong. There's one god, and he is the god of all the nations. He's not just the Israelite god. He's not just the Jewish god. He is the god of Egypt. He is the god of Babylon. He is the god of the Persians. He is the god of your enemies. He is the god of your friends. He is the god of the foreigners. He is the god of the magi. He is the god of David. He is the god of Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh. Right. And that would have been a provocative statement. Mm. But it's only in that context that the first reading about the nations coming in being the light, that the second reading, the, the responsorial psalm about the true king, become to make sense. And that, I think, is the best lead into the gospel. I agree. That is the best lead into the gospel. <laughs> Thank you, church. Um, which brings us to the Magi, which is, the, is, is just so amazing. Coming in the midst of, um, in Boulder... Um, I always think about how do you communicate the gospel to the people who, to, in the mode that they're already paying attention. Hmm. So, so uh, we have NOAA, uh, National uh, uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology. Technology. I don't remember that second the part. The atomic clock is there. The atomic clock. So the clock that all of your watches and your cell phones are based on actually exists in Boulder. Yeah, that's us. My so, good friend's dad used to work on it. Oh, pretty cool. Did, was there Adams in it? Ah. Okay. <laughs> okay. His name was Adam. His name was Adam. Yeah. See, that's, that's what makes me happy is Thank that you. I didn't know that. I was making a pun un un unknowingly. Little did you but, know. But so I always ask this question, how do you speak to a people in the mode that they're already listening? There's a, there's a, a kind of a shorthand we learn in seminary, which is quid quid recipitor recipitor secundum modum recipientes. That's a shorthand? No, the shorthand for that, that's like uh, you know, uh, uh, the... Uh, <laughs> a grammatical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a quid quid. You say quid quid, which means that which is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. So okay. when you're talking to somebody, so you're talking to uh, an engineer, you're, you know, you can talk in, in math, you know, that's, yeah. that's great. You know, yeah. you could, you can start, you say, well, how do you understand and do you see the world? Is it pieces? And mm. so, so I, you know, I'm trying to talk to somebody in the midst of, is there evidence that exists within the world that can point to the event of Christ? Because sometimes isn't, isn't the, the Christian life can become this weird abstraction. We're living, we say, oh, there's this guy once who, he didn't have a cell phone or anything. <laughs> just Scott is taking a selfie. The, the oh, timing really would, couldn't have been better. I'm trying to take a picture of you're trying to take a picture of me. I'm feeling very honored and, um, get, and get to people. That's awesome. Um, so it's, so, <laughs> so <laughs> the mode of the quid, 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 so, quid, 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 quid. So, so how do you actually have evidence for the Christ's event mm. and, uh, and the Christ event, which is the single most turning point? We have the church, there's all of us, which is our evidence, but then you say, well, okay, and then the bishops are they're kind of evidence, and the churches that we have, they're kind of evidence, and you can say, but really, is, isn't it just a bunch of people who are getting to die, just make up stuff as they want to? Versus, I hope not. Which is, I think sometimes we, we wonder about that. And I think that the, the, uh, the, uh, the Feast of the Epiphany, the, the actual cosmological events that took place that led these three scientists, these magi, these magicians, we, we used to call them kings. Yeah, that is where we get the term magic from, from magi, just to kind of put them in context. Yeah, yeah. and so we get these, these folks who are paying attention in a natural way to what they're encountering directly, that nature in a real way has grace that exists within it to actually lead us towards Christ. And by nature, you mean nature. Nature, like the like, stars. Yeah, like, like the stars and the oceans and, yeah. you know, yeah. like these sorts of things, that these actually exist in a way that are meant to point towards God. Psalm 18, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the, the firmament shows... The heavens are telling the glory of God. 
<laughs> you sing that. And all in creation is shouting for joy. Come dance in the forest. Don't do it. And play in the field. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's where we, ex like, that's what's so exciting to me about the epiphany, is that we're able to actually follow the stars and that it was a real cosmological event. For, in a shorthand way, it was actually Jupiter that was, that, that you can track it and you can go and you can see actually how Jupiter was um, tracking through the heavens and how the Magi would have followed it. To the point on, um, you know, it takes about 10 days to walk from uh, Babylon, which why don't you tell us about the, the location, where, where they're coming from, where the Magi are coming from? Well, we have to guess at this, but there's a couple things. So the, the mention of Magi, I think, biblically, would automatically put people back in the time of Daniel. Because if you remember Daniel, one of the things that, that was present in the kingdom of Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar, there were a lot of sorcerers and seers, S-E-E-R, Sears. Which, which can also be, be translated as magi is kind of a broad term. It can be scientists, it can be magicians, it can be you know sorcerers, like creepy stuff, scientific stuff. It's a pretty broad term, but it's used a lot in the book of Daniel. So I think a reader would be pulled back into the time of Daniel. We also know that um, we, we heard about Persia, right, in the earlier readings. But we also know that frankincense, I think one of the only places it was produced in the world or actually existed, uh -huh. was in what's present-day Iraq, which at the time was Persia, and before that was Babylon. Oh. So these guys are probably coming from, well, there's good reason to believe they're probably coming from somewhere around Baghdad. Oh. Which, the, the funny thing about that, so back in the time of the exile, remember when all of Israel was, when Jerusalem was destroyed and it, the Israelites were, were taken off and hauled off into captivity and slavery in Babylon, again, which is present-day Iraq now. Yep. Um, when, the Bab when, when the captivity ended, uh, the, king, the kingdom of Babylon was taken over by the, Me the Medo-Persian Empire, right? <laughs> and then the first uh, emperor was um, Cyrus the Persian. Okay. He was the one who kind of took over when they had defeated the Babylonians. And one of his first acts was to take all the people that Babylon had taken into slavery and let them go home. And so he said, all right, you Jewish people, you can all go back to Jerusalem. You can go back to Judea. You can, he actually gave them money to rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. And he wanted people to like him. He wanted to be a benevolent king. And actually, because, you know, they can charge higher taxes and people get <laughs> mad. There was, there was some sinister motives. But yeah. he let everybody go home. But not everybody went home because there wasn't a Jerusalem to go back to. There wasn't a Judea. Everything was wiped out. It was obliterated. So a lot of people went back and began the process of rebuilding. But a whole lot of people stayed behind. In, in what is now Baghdad. And actually, up until the 1940s, the second largest Jewish population in the world was in Baghdad because a lot of people stayed behind after the exile because it was a, you know, Cyrus was a good king and he let them live there in relative peace. They could practice their faith, which means if these magi are actually from there, there is good reason to believe that they, especially if they are learned, if there were people who liked studying and wanted to understand the world, there is good reason to believe that they might have encountered the scriptures. Maybe they read the book of Daniel. They gave the time frame about when the Messiah was coming. Maybe they read the prophecies of Isaiah. Maybe they were familiar with this Messiah that these Jewish people believed in, and maybe they were intrigued. Maybe the people who stayed behind in right. Babylon were actually the kind of people that all of us who are at this conference are actually called to be, which is people on mission, even if we're staying at home. Right. Even if we're living and doing our jobs and going to school and doing our everyday lives, we're all called to be on mission. And maybe the people in Babylon actually did that. And maybe these magi were taken by the faith and taken by the story of salvation history and actually read and realized, wow, maybe we who are Gentiles actually have a role in this as well. But there's one other story I want to point out. Can I say one last thing? Yes, and of this course, is, This always. is my moneymaker for the week. This is my okay. thing I wanted to get to. 
This is a story in the gospel that most of us have heard before, right? We grew up on the story of the three wise men, they come. But it's a story about three wise men, three magi, right, who come, and you remember the story? They go to King Herod. Herod is not Jewish. He's not a Davidic king. He's a king. He's actually Edomanian by, uh, by ethnicity. And his family basically bought the kingship from Caesar, they paid enough money, and he's like, ah, you can be in control over the Jews. That's fine. So he was this terrible king that didn't have any right to be there, who was actually a non-Jew. He was a Gentile as well. But um, these magi come to the king, and they say, hey, we saw the star. We've presumably been reading these prophecies. We know that something's about to happen. Where is the Messiah going to be born? Where is this Christ, this king? Where is he going to be? And Herod, this evil king, is threatened, and he fears. And he says, I want you to go and find him. He, he gets and his then guys report everything to and me. Tell me what happened. Yeah, yeah which is so, terrifying. So that I can kill him, because we know what happens later. And, and when he can't find the Messiah, he commands for all of the holy innocents to be killed. Well, this is know, horrifying. Yeah, but, I gotta, I gotta uh, say, okay, keep going. Uh, you just gotta, gotta finish this. Finish, I gotta finish, finish this. Thought. Okay. There's a parallel to this. So we know that story, right? Evil yeah. king sends some magi to kill the Messiah. There's a parallel back in the book of Numbers. Oh, this and is your point. I'm this excited. This is my point. In the book of Numbers, there's a very famous story about a guy named Balak. And I don't know if you guys remember the story. Numbers isn't one of those books you pick up and read all the time. <laughs> but um, there's a king in the book of Numbers in chapter 24, I think, named Balak. Balak is a Moabite king. So it's one of the enemies of the people of Israel. And Balak hates Israel. And he wants to destroy Israel. And he wants to defeat them. So Balak, this evil king, hires, guess what? Some magi. Literally, he hires like magi. A, magi. a seer, a sorcerer. Oh, man. And he hires a magi to go over it to Israel and to pronounce a curse on them, to, to oh, cast a spell Balak. on them. With Balaam's his, ass. Remember, he has this, this donkey, and the donkey's like, I ain't going. That, this, this is a really funny story. And the donkey's Sorry. like, I's like, I'm not going to go. That, it's, that's it's, not it's, cussing. We're just no, naming something. No, it's not. It's something. an animal. Okay, it's it's, it's an called animal. that. It's cool. Relax. <laughs> But I don't want to talk about the donkey. So the donkey's like, I ain't going. And so Balaam, then, who's the sorcerer, he's the magi, right. goes to try to pronounce this curse, this, this incantation over Israel. And do you remember what happens? When the, he the, his donkey stops. Well, and then, after the donkey, he oh, abandons well, the donkey. There's, there's, oh, he abandons the donkey. He gets rid then, of the donkey, and then he goes. And he well, because the angel's going to stop him. He opens his mouth to pronounce curse, and three times he pronounces blessing. Oh. So an evil king hires a magi to try to destroy Israel okay. in the book of Numbers. Okay. New Testament, yep. evil king uses some magi to try to destroy the embodiment of Israel. Oh. And both times, the magi do not curse Israel. <laughs> nice. Dude, they just did the wave. They you guys, totally did the wave. Glorious. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. That's a blessing right there. Yeah, the <laughs> Balaam blesses Israel three times. Three magi bless Israel in the form of the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. And what's cool about this is in the story of Balaam, one of the times that he blesses Israel while trying to curse them, yeah. he pronounces a prophecy that someday a star will be the sign that points to a Messiah and a king who will reign forever. Balaam says that? Balaam says it. And many, many years later, some other magi, I bet, heard the story. And they went, it's actually where we get the Star of David. That's where that comes from, is that prophecy that a king will come and a star will point to him. Whoa. And then there's some other magi that I bet you heard that story from some fateful Jews that were living in Baghdad, and they told him about this, and they went seeking as the new magi to give a new blessing to a new Israel. Can I take this and drop it? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys just hear that? 
It's I mean, pretty that's, cool. That's like this. That is exactly what I want this podcast to be all the time, <laughs> which is like discovering the old, the new in the old, and how the old actually and the new comes together and actually calls us out to be a people to say, look, we are actually point. It's just meant to follow the graces of God and to be the stewardships of these graces and say, look, this is not just some sort of arbitrary thing that happened in yes. in the Jesus event, yes. but Jesus, the the event of Christ. His has actually brought together the entirety of history, the entirety of scripture, the whole of our lives, all of our thinking, all of the existential experiences of our life, and bring them together, and then they proclaim the glory of God. My mind is blown. Which That's is what, what I love. Which is what Paul was saying, because he says, people in the past didn't realize this. The mystery was still unfolding. Right. You know, we use the term mystery in the church a lot, and I remember as a kid being totally frustrated by that term. Because I'd ask all these hard questions. And I was the kid the youth ministers hated. And I was like, why do we believe this? What about purgatory? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd always get the answer like, oh, it's a mystery. And uh, I hated that. I was like, what does that mean? And when the church talks about a mystery, it doesn't mean something that's not understandable. It means something that is imminently understandable. Because a good, right. like a good mystery book is a book that it takes a while to unpack and unfold. But the whole purpose is to reveal the mystery. So when we talk about the church and the sacraments and the mysticism of our faith, as a mystery, we means it's something that takes a long time to unpack and unfold, which was not known in the time right. of Balaam. It wasn't known in the time of Isaiah. But to us, it has been revealed the secret to all of human history. To those magi who traveled across the world to see this child, it was revealed to them. And guess what? They were outsiders. Right. They were the, the people that people, you know, they heard they were magi, sorcerers. Like, who are you guys? And they are the first ones to pay homage to the Israelite king, the new David. You know, and I love the fact that it's actually in the form of pilgrimage. We yeah, rode uh, right. on a bus for 23 hours, our particular group. So for those of you who had, some of us had a longer one. But yeah, there's some cheers over there from the CU <laughs> people. What's up? It's fair or foul. So, um, but this is the thing is that... Um, is that I, I, I was excited because I like the idea of pilgrimage. When you actually take a tremendous amount of time with people to let the mystery of your life unfold in the context of the mysteries of God. Like, that's actually the essential nature of pilgrimage. That's yes. why it took them 10 days to walk from Baghdad. You know, do you think that the, these guys are work-a-day life? I mean, they work together. But then when you're not working and you're just kind of walking along, when you're actually taking time and you're riding your camel and just and hanging out, you're going to end up actually opening your heart to the other people. That's pass why the dromedary. <laughs> but can you pass the dromedary, please? <laughs> okay. What is a dromedary? It's a thing of water. Okay. Yeah, dude, I, oh, we have dromedaries right here. It's this a is a, you know, this is the mini dromedary. Dromedary. So, um, but like, that's the thing is, it's we are meant to actually <clears throat> share in the mystery, but it does take a tremendous amount of time to unfold. That's, that, that's why the stars in the sky took months and months and months for the magi to be able to make it intelligible. Which all the best stuff does, doesn't it? It, it does. Takes a while to unpack it. Yeah. If you binge on your favorite show on Netflix, it's going to take a few hours to get there, right? You, you got to days. Un oh, days. days. Well, it depends. Yeah, it depends on the episode. But that's right. That's the right way to do it. You don't want to skip to the last page of the story. You got to get there, and that's what salvation history does. Right. And we live on the last pages. Right. We get the good stuff. And you guys' lives are caught up into these mysteries, too. Your lives are participating in these mysteries. Yes. Like, our lives, I mean, this is what bonds Scott and I. Is in, in 97, there was an outpouring of the Spirit in Colorado, and we are reflecting upon the graces of what took place there. 93, there were graces that were poured out in World Youth Day. Mm. You know, 
2019, there are graces being, that are being poured out that in your lives right now that is going to take years to unfold, unfold and to try to understand. And mm -hmm. so it's an honor for, to be able to participate in the midst of that. Yes. But follow that star. Make that pilgrimage. Take the time to open your hearts to one another because, the, these, because, because this is really a foretaste of heaven. I think that it's, we're going to have this conversation of the glories of God with absolutely every single individual that has ever been from all time, and we're going to find the connections between each other. Absolutely. And it's going to take a really, really, really long time. I mean, do you know how many hours it takes just to meet everybody on a single bus? I mean, it's like two, three hours if you're going to do like speed dating on a bus, and that's just like 40 people, you know? Like, Hashtag church don't need that right now. <laughs> I mean, speed dating, sorry, quote unquote, like meet everybody on the bus circle. You know, okay, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop talking now. So... Um, I think that I think this pretty much brings us, wraps up. You you guys, um, you guys, thank you for joining us. Thanks for everybody who um, has hung out with us to enjoy this time together. We hope you have a wonderful seat conference. For those of you who are listening to us, either online or on your podcast or your phone or whatever, please pray not just for us, but for all of the tens of thousands of students and priests and seminarians and parishioners and parish leaders who are here that we may all be inspired to go back home and actually live this mission and unfold yeah. this mystery, or rather to let the, mis the, the mystery unfold in our lives. Amen. So we'll see you next week, everybody. You guys are awesome. And now whenever I do the podcast, I'm going to think of this image right here. Hold on, I'm going to get a little panoram panoramic video of you guys, um, or like a panoramic photo portrait of all I'm of gonna, you. I'm going to get a photo of you getting a photo. Okay, yeah, let's see. Let, where's that pan out there? Look at how meta this is. Yeah, this is, this is very Pano right here. And then when I think of, if anybody's listening, I'm going to remember all of your lovely, wonderful faces and the aquarium well, that we're being... Gage is very disturbing. <laughs> Thank you for that. But yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you for joining us at the aquarium, the fishbowl. Um, thanks for feeding us. And they didn't turn the oxygen off. So Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, but we're... <laughs> okay, God bless you guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.